Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to the APC podcast, Green Bay Packers talk from SB Nation and Vox Media. It is uh, Tuesday, August 26th as we hit record and the Packers are mercifully one preseason game away from meaningful football. It can't come soon enough. Follow us here on Twitter at the APC pod. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Acme Packing Company. And uh, I'm going to start harping on this again, dear listeners, but please give us a quick rating if you feel so inclined and you have yet to do so. It really does help boost the show. I am Zach Rapport coming to you from Albuquerque, New Mexico, where it is a pleasant, not at all face-melting 101 degrees outside Jesus. today. <laughs> yeah. And I am joined for the first time in a while by both of my uh, trusty cohorts here on the video chat. And it's nice to see you fellas. Firstly, out in New York at Alex Patakis on Twitter. Alex, how are you, man? I'm doing well. There's a 24 degree difference between uh, your day and mine so far. So it's been kind of nice. But it's really humid there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Trash sauna. Summer's in New York. The whole like it's a dry heat thing is I know it's kind of a cliche and a bit played out, but I was just in New York recently for um, for about a week and coming from the desert. I mean, it was just unbearable there. I was I was not I was not having it. I'm happy. I'm happy to be back where it's 100 degrees and 10 percent humidity. I also like work from home, so I just stay in the air conditioning all day. But um, moving on back and better than ever reporting now from the Motor City, Detroit, Michigan. Detroit, uh, pronounced that way by Mike McCarthy and literally no one else, at uh, Ben Foldy on Twitter. Ben, how are you? I am good. That's all I got. No, um, that's, all, that's all you got. It's also colder and rainier than it is where you are. And uh, outside of that, I'm doing a lot of work. I got a new job. I'm liking this uh, this uh, moody, insidious lighting I'm seeing here in this darkened apartment. It's not in person. It's nowhere near as bad as it looks the way the screen is set up right now. But uh, I got I got my own lettuce bowl in the window, so I'm growing my own lettuce, which is pretty Wait, dope. Really? Yeah. Off season goals. There you I've go. I've always wanted to have like an urban garden. Yeah, Detroit is all about urban agriculture. I'm currently looking at my neighbor who is lucky enough to have a patio on the third floor and he's got like some wicked tomato action going like really impressive stuff over the summer i kind of want to just sneak out on the fire escape and steal them every saturday i go to this big market eastern market in detroit and i get i get like all sorts of fresh veggies that are grown in the city and i like buy some plants and stuff anyway i'll show you my lettuce when we're done <laughs> Ooh, now you're speaking my language is that a promise or a threat yeah no it's a, it's it's a promise all right guys uh you know 
there is simultaneously a lot and nothing happening right now as the Packers head into their final preseason game. So we're going to cover some some notable Packers, some Nuggets here, uh, cough, Josh Jones, cough, and we'll also dip into the mailbag and answer some listener questions. But first off the cuff, I kind of wanted to hit on Andrew Luck retiring really quickly because it's just really huge news, especially when you consider that we as Packers fans have our own sort of cerebral guy behind center who I would not be super shocked if at some point had decided, meh, I'm going to make a quality of life decision and, and hang it up. Ben, what were your thoughts after seeing that Andrew Luck was retiring? I mean, I was definitely surprised on Saturday night, but the more I thought about it, I mean, it's not it's not a big shock. You know, I'm I'm pretty clearly in support of his decision. I think everybody should make the decision that's best for them and their lives and their health. And uh, but what about the season ticket holders? <laughs> yeah, what about them? They've got jobs. Like they can quit their jobs too. Nobody made them buy season tickets to the Colts. Jesus Christ! Like what? What did you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, I, mean, I think the one thing that, that makes this like a little different than Barry Sanders or, you know, Calvin Johnson is like, I can't remember someone going out at the beginning of what was expected to be kind of like a title contending season like that. Like, I just I just can't remember that. But it's also like that makes me think that he must really not think that he was going to be able to play at a level that was like a title contending season. Or he just didn't care, in which case, you know, more power to him. Um, but you know, like why do you want your why do you want your last your last season or whatever? Why do you want that to be, you know, oh, we were supposed to win the Super Bowl, so I toughed it out and then like I toughed it out, so we obviously didn't win the you know, it's like that's a never ending loop if you're just always chasing that. So I, I can't really hold it against him. I guess I guess in terms of the the Rogers kind of relationship, um, you know, maybe in, on one hand, we have to be more worried because, you know, Rodgers has won a Super Bowl and can hang up the cleats at any time and not really say that he's like leaving anything on the table. But I think by most accounts, it seems like Rodgers has such like a competitive fire to him that luck may or may not also have um, that, you know, I don't think we necessarily need to worry about it anytime soon. But I do think like, you know, another bad injury or two, you know, Rodgers could just say it's not worth it anymore and I wouldn't hold it against them. And the season ticket holders who booed in that case could go, you know, F themselves. Self-censorship, I like it. Yeah, I'm trying to be like on the up and up. I mean, it's interesting from the standpoint of like, you know, it's it's definitely the most high profile of any of those early retirements we've had in like the post-CTE uh, discovery era. Like, Patrick Willis was like a big thing. Um, you know, there, there's been like other guys who do this, but when you have a, a quarterback, uh, I guess at a position that's very protected by the rules, like willingly not wanting to play your sport, I think like on a, on a higher level, the NFL has got to like really examine that and realize that like, are, are more and more people going to be like woke to the fact that like, if you have an alternative in life, um, that you can take it. But I mean, like I fully support his decision. I think it's crazy. The fans were booing him. Like I agree with our quarterback Aaron Rodgers on on that being pretty disgusting. But um, if I was a if I were a Colts fan, I feel like, um, you know, I you'd have to be mad at the organization a little bit too. Like you have to take into account that they like hor- horrifically mismanaged like an injury to his throwing shoulder that like took away like a chunk, you know, a a portion 
now that his career is over, like actually a decent one season is a big percentage of his career. Like that's on them because they were fucking idiots. And they also like didn't invest in offensive line help until like a year ago. So, you know, in some ways, like you kind of have to, I would, I would be more mad at the organization, which is clearly like just in shambles at a high level right now than I would at, at the guy himself. Cause I, I think if, if they were as well run as they were in the Peyton Manning years, like this, this arguably might not have like even been something that he even started to consider. So, I mean, the sad part is like this season, I think they are pretty well run. Like everybody seems to be kind of in agreement that it's a franchise like moving in the right direction. But yeah, I mean, it's not his fault that they left him out, hung him out to dry for seven years or however long it was. Yeah. And, and like, you know, I, I guess 20, was he 29? Like that's like, yeah, you know, who knows what his actual goals are? Like, who, he might not want to wait till he's thirty-eight to like pursue those. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, or or till he's like physically broken. Like, right? You know, walk away while you can, while you can walk. It's not a bad. It's not like a bad trade. Yeah, yeah. I don't have much to add there. I think that's all really well said, and I I think to just put a uh, put a point on it, I'll, I'll say that you know I, a lot of. I, I see a lot of Twitter pundits and, and self-appointed Twitter pundits at that saying, you know, oh, these fans, you know, they have a right to boo. They paid for a product, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, my 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 final point is that, you know, do you do you have a right to express your opinion in that way? Sure. I, I guess I guess you do. Does the, does doing that also make you an asshole? I tend to think so. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, but let's move on to uh, the biggest news of the last few days in Packerland, and that is, of course, the release of Josh Jones, a second-round pick in 2017, not that long ago. The the safety-turned-reluctant linebacker seemingly never really earned the trust of Mike Pettin. Uh, he clamored for a trade this offseason before eventually showing up and, and according to Matt LaFleur, doing everything the coaches asked of him. But, but in the end, Goody and company deciding uh, to go in another direction. So, so Josh Jones has been released. We just found out moments ago that he's actually gone unclaimed on waivers. Alex, we talked a few weeks ago about Jones, and you said that you'd hoped that he would make the team. I take it you're a bit disappointed, but are you surprised? I'm disappointed I won't get to have the opportunity to see if he can turn into the player we thought he would be when he was drafted with these high expectations. I'm not like disappointed in the sense that they're really missing out on anything. Cause clearly they just felt like that, that was never going to be accomplished. Um, I, it's hard to be surprised like about a guy, you know, being let go who they were actively shopping. You know what I mean? Like it would be weird to, to say that, wow, I didn't see this coming. I think we kind of all did, but um, again, I, I, I'm just surprised that like, you know, it, it is like a huge gamble that they're taking now because this would essentially mean that Raven Green in a passing scenario is like a starter. You know, it, there's just so many, there's still like so much youth, even with all the investments they made up front on defense um, that is, you know, put into like a really, really prominent spot. So I guess it's on to Raven Green, right? Like it's now we just got to see if this guy like has what it takes, or otherwise we're going to continue to search for that link in the secondary that's seemingly been missing for a while. So you, did, you didn't mumble enough. Every time you say we're on to something, you gotta you gotta mumble it like this. Oh yeah, sorry, <laughs> I, I I forgot to channel the Belichick. Um, I'm still figuring out how to how to live post McCarthy. Like I think I've just hey you hang up the coach impressions altogether. But um, yeah, I mean. 
kind of sucks. And I mean, dude, man, like yet again, another reason why the the new regime had to come in here and spend so much fucking money. Like this, this, this is a second, like these are really, really like prominent picks and half these guys just don't even stick around anymore. It's bonkers. It's nuts. Like Quentin Rollins, second round pick, huge expectations. Josh J- Jones. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. Like you got to hit on some of these. I mean, you know who he was taking one spot ahead of, right? Who Josh Jones was? No. Yeah. Who was it again? Juju Smith-Schuster. Oh, yeah. yeah. We Freaking can play a. that game all okay. day. but Yeah. yeah but, oh, yeah, we but... can play that game all day. But, like, I mean, there's <laughs> so much talent in that draft and, like, picked after Josh Jones. Like, yeah. Alvin Kamara is, like, seven they picks after that. Guy. Cooper Cup. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, like, it's, to me, it's just n- another such a big whiff again in a draft, like, full of good offensive names too. I mean, I guess the other thing that's really disappointing to me is like so many, you know, so much sending, you know, chasing good money, sending good money, chasing after bad in, on the defensive side of the ball in the draft. And like, I don't know, man, I just like, I don't really have, I like, it's not a knock on Josh Jones. Like, I'm not mad that they picked him, whatever, but like, Oh, it's just garbage <laughs> to lose to to waste all this capital for years. I mean, with Spriggs too earlier in the summer, it's just like it's very frustrating. Yeah, and and like you know, it, it kind of looking forward to it started to make me think about Kevin King because like now he's like you know he's missing some practice time and everything, and he was mm-hmm. someone a couple of weeks ago I singled out as someone who like we really want to see something like from this year. There's a huge opportunity there for him. But if he's just like unhealthy and kind of skates through the year as like a guy who plays a couple games, you know, doesn't play, maybe he's buried on the bench for some games, like that's that could be like the next in line of second, you know, second round, high second round draft choices in the secondary that just don't materialize into anything, which just puts them in a massive hold, like yeah. for years to come, you know, because then either next year in free agency, they're going to have to spend a bunch of capital on that or just keep drafting guys. Um, and missing out on other areas of the team to address. So, super disappointing. Yeah, you got to hit on something sooner or later. Jesus. <laughs> With that, let's move on to the... Uh, <laughs> you know, don't have I, any Josh Jones thoughts other than this sucks? No, it just... I mean, it was, you know... I feel like it... I I, ex- I expected it to happen. Uh, it does suck because it's someone who uh, who... You, you know, like you already said, Alex. I don't have anything to add. They, you, you want to see him succeed. You wanted to see him reach his full potential and see what he could do in in whatever way um, that the Packers were going to use him. And like Lafleur said, was was ready to was reporting for duty and ready to do whatever they asked. And and uh, it's just a bummer. It's just another another instance of high draft capital out the door. And, you know, Spriggs is another recent example of that. And and Josh Jones, I mean, he. He went unclaimed. Like no one else wanted him. It's just so. It's really, it's really disappointing. Well, that's important, right? I I have to say I'm a little surprised by no one else wanting him, just because I think like he has the physical tools, right? Like that was his whole profile coming out was like this kind of of dollar backer kind of safety linebacker hybrid, and it it's another case. I mean, like I don't remember if I don't remember if Dayton Jones is like still looking good this preseason, but wherever Dayton Jones is, like he's been looking better since he left the pack like there is something about there was a lot of fitting square pegs into round holes under under the last regime and and i don't like that damage is still kind of like playing out in some guys early careers of just like yeah. 
the scheme not really fitting the personnel um and and change you know in th- in this case i mean bringing in Patton, you know a year into his career and he has to learn a whole new scheme and like he already was kind of playing out of position it's like you know i don't i i look forward to the packers getting back to having a system that works for them i think that's no longer a given and i think it's ruining a lot of player development early on yeah that, yeah that uh, that's a i think that's a very important thing is that like you know it, it's it may not be that ted thompson just happened to identify and invest in all these guys who actually don't have talent it just may be that, that it was like that you know the packers failed to use that talent in a way or that that talent didn't exactly fit and it's really hard not to think of that when you see like how many former packers are sprinkled across the league now so many of them in cleveland um but yeah, like that's. Oh, I mean, drafting is really just like you know, day one, right? Like, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, after the day you're drafted, like your value is basically the same as an undrafted free agent. Like, will you get maybe like will Thornton get a couple more chances as a third rounder than he should? Yes, but you know, <laughs> after that moment, like you're 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 it's a clean slate, right? But like that's where the development comes in, and and it's not you can you can wash out of the NFL without having been a bad draft pick. Right. Like there is there is like a there's another space of transmission that the team is responsible for in there. And it's, you know, some of it might be like a misprojection, but some of it, too, is is up to the team to really like actually develop the talent that they that they should from these kind of raw pieces of clay. How weird is that, too, when like the, the narrative not too long ago was that taking especially at that position like in the in that room, the secondary, like all they did was take guys and like turn them into really good players who weren't big investments. And so now it's like the total opposite, you know? Well, they did. Um, I mean, they did that with undrafted guys, right? Like they did it with Sam Shields and they did it with, uh, yeah. And Tremont was draft. No, he was undrafted, right? Yeah. Tremont Williams. I don't remember. Yeah. He was undrafted too, I think. And then, I mean, and I don't, you know, I don't know what this means. It's not, you know, like where Joe Witt kind of falls into this and where whether or not the team was right to not retain his services forcefully. You know, I don't I don't I can't say without being in the room, but I, I don't I don't I don't feel better that Joe Witt's gone in terms of uh, developing some of this talent. Yeah. All right. Now let's move on to the warmly contested backup quarterback spot. Look, guys, every year we've uh, we've done this pod we and I think the listeners have been fascinated with the backup quarterback battle, but I think we're all just worn down. Uh, we've seen life without Rodgers, and it is sobering, you know, no matter which tomato can you throw back there. So, I mean, Deshaun Kaiser has meaningful NFL experience, uh, and while he has bad tape, he has some good tape too. Tim Boyle, meanwhile, is streaky, but he looks very capable when when he gets in rhythm. But I can count his meaningful NFL snaps on no hands because he has none. Alex, of these two guys, you, who would you rather have, or or do you just not give a crap, or do you think they'll actually bring in someone else? I mean, it's a murky, unenthusiastic question at this point, I, I guess. But but the Packers' quarterback in Week One is is who? Well, the quarterback's Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, the, the backup quarterback. Okay, I, th- I was like, wait a second, did I miss something? Um, no. So, uh, I, I guess that I mean, you gave it as an option. I would say I don't care, and I would care a year from now, maybe when I think they, it, it should stop being like just these like kind of guys that we, um, 
almost like mock when we're talking about them, even when we're praising them and, and be like the guy that will be like the successor to Aaron Rodgers. And I don't think, again, we're not that far from that. Like that, right. we, I hope to identify that guy soon. So this year I don't care. And I hope that next year and maybe two years from now, we're having a conversation like the ones, you know, we were probably thinking about while not podcasting about um, when Aaron Rodgers was there and we were like talking, you know, breaking down his preseason tape. But man, I, there's nothing that I can take from a, a game played on 80 yard field of shit <laughs> that's going to oh, make me think Canada. one guy deserves a job more than another. Um, although what, Boyle like threw like a bunch of touchdowns, right? I don't know. I'm just glad these guys are giving. Boyle he had three receivers. straight touchdown drives. He, I mean, he he played uh, after a slow start. Played, I would say, pretty damn well in the third yeah. in the third preseason game. But you are you are taking what I'm calling the Peter Bukowski approach, as he wrote an article for Acme Packing Company, basically saying what you need to do is have a team around you that is capable of playing well with a backup quarterback, and worry less about who that backup quarterback is because at the end yeah. of the day, that, I like that's that. just going to matter more. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I will say, though, I will thank the backups currently for giving the receivers what I feel like has been a nice opportunity to prove themselves because all the buzz now is kind of about like, well, none of these guys are proven, but they all seem pretty good. And now we're talking about Alan Lazard um, and uh, Darius Shepard, like making the roster all of a sudden. uh, Alan Lazard, who got hurt in the preseason game, I believe. Yeah, I think he got concussed. Um, I think he went into concussion protocol. I think he'll be okay. But with the ESB injury, like, yeah, I mean, thanks for the the decent reps, quarterbacks, with receivers who now may actually play regular season games or at least be dressed for regular season games. I mean, I think in the grand scheme of things, you'd be foolish to say that Kaiser doesn't have a higher ceiling if he can put it together than Boyle. Um, so on a, and like, it's hard for me too to separate, you know, and this is maybe some sunk cost fallacy, but I'm like, you know, you traded Demarius Randall for him. You might as well keep him. Um, but I think Kaiser's probably has more upside and is therefore worth keeping longer. Uh, I think Boyle probably, I like Boyle, but I I don't see anything that can't be replaced by a kind of like replacement level average backup quarterback. Your CJ Beathard or whatever, whoever it is. I mean, Beathard's above average probably as a backup, but um, you know, Kaiser. I think if Kaiser puts it together, Kaiser has you know legitimate starter potential, and I I mean I think we can say that for at least another year. Um. So I, I, I lean towards Kaiser. I don't think it's I, in the end, I don't actually think it's that important this season, but I do think that like, I'd rather have the guy on the roster, you know, with the potential to actually be a long-term starter in the league. I think that's better asset management. Yeah. yeah. And another quick note on, on Kaiser, although it feels like he has been playing subpar football in the NFL for six years, he's 23 years old which I'm all constantly surprised to be reminded of that fact. So, yeah. so something about wearing a Browns uniform instantly like ages you in my mind. It's just like, oh, he wasn't good there. He must have been there for years. He could he could legitimately be drafted this season as like a, you know, slightly overage redshirt. You know, like it, like yeah. there are 23-year-old players drafted every year. It's like Kaiser is by far like that 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 book doesn't have to be closed. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. And just to touch on what you, on, on bringing up like uh, Alan Lazard and Darius Shepard, I mean, I, I really do think that the wide receiver position is in a much better, the depth of the wide receiver position is in a much better place than it was last season. Um, you know, even if Trevor Davis hadn't come on as well, uh, you know, this this time last year, I, I don't even remember who we were talking. I mean, we were obviously talking about the three guys who just got drafted, but I think like behind that, it was like, was D'Angelo Yancey still in the practice squad? Like, yeah, <laughs> there wasn't there wasn't a lot there. And you know, as 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 I I wish I hadn't been right about Jamon Moore being the worst of those three prospects, but um, looking that way, looking that way. Yeah, and I and I think EQ I I think EQ's worth making the t- worth holding on the on the IR and the fifty three man because I think he's twenty two I think now, and yeah. and like just has a lot of raw upside. Trevor Trevor Davis, man, in, in the last preseason game, it's like every couple every couple sessions that we see him in, he just has this like. You, you, I think I'm out, but you pull me back in moment where it's like, ah, he's finally gone. And then he has a, like a standout game where he's like, oh yeah, he looks like a legitimate, like whatever, number five wide receiver who also can return kicks. He did very well, well for himself. And that was the first time I ever saw him actually look like a wide receiver, right? Like that, I'd true. seen him look like a return guy and that's fine, but I hadn't seen him really like look like he was beating people with anything except, you know, straight line speed. And so I'm definitely... You know, I think I went into this offseason being like, there's no way Trevor Davis makes the team. And now not only do I think he makes the team, I'm not even mad about it. So, yeah, I, I think it's um, and I will admit I did not see like every snap that Trevor Davis took. But, uh, you know, in like Wait, what you haven't watched every snap of preseason football, dude, that game was unwatchable. I just yeah, like yeah. like. <laughs> You missed nothing. It was, it, was, <laughs> it was weird, but like looking back on some of the bigger plays and a lot of the Trevor Davis reps too, like um, it was cool that they kind of just gave him an opportunity. And it was very obviously like, okay, we're going to put the ball in your hands to see what you can do. Cause like that, does, that as, as elementary as that seems like that hasn't been a thing for the Packers in a while. Like yeah. just being like, identify you as someone who can make something happen. We're just going to, again, we always said this stuff last year, like scheme the ball to somebody. Um, so I, I, I get a little excited because I think about how good like some other players on the Packers could be after the catch and that that could be like a part of our offense this year. So um, wow, yeah, not, maybe maybe with Trevor Davis, but maybe with some other guys as well who who could really get out and run. So uh, yards, that yards got me, after the catch. What a concept that, that got me going. That got the loins going. <laughs> That's a great uh, that's a great line to uh, pause and take a quick break and uh, we come back one more topic and then we will hit the listener mailbag and answer your burning queries. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school 
that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, guys, we are back. Uh, kind of a minor story here to hit on before we uh, enter the old mailbag portion of the show. But I wanted to bring this up because, Ben, I know that you've mentioned this theme in the past, but uh, Michael Silver at NFL.com published a piece yesterday as we record this after a conversation that he had with new L.A. Ram Clay Matthews. Uh, Matthews was, was pretty candid about his disappointment in the way the Packers handled his negotiations and I'm putting air quotes around negotiations because they were apparently non-existent. Uh, Matthew said that he wanted to hit the market first and find his number, but that ultimately figured that he'd be back, which to me, I don't know about you guys, but to me sounds like he was willing to be flexible. Uh, but it was just kind of radio silence from the Packers until Goody called him to say thanks, but no thanks. There's no money for you here. Now, set aside for the moment you know, what you personally think about um, Clay Matthews' value at this point in his career, but you know, uh, Micah Hyde was a very solid player who heard crickets from Green Bay, um, no offer. BJ Raji at one point had an offer pulled from under him while he was mulling it over. Um, ben, I don't mean to lead the witness here, but do you? You didn't even bring up Mike Daniels. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. there's it's a it's actually a long list, and and. I said I don't mean to lead the witness. That's obviously what I'm doing here, setting you up, Ben. But do you think that the Packers have a problem in the way that they um, choose to do business like this? I have. I cannot remember a single player in the last few years leaving the Packers saying that they had a good experience in their like leaving or or you know coach. You know, like McCarthy didn't have a good time. What's his face? Who got fired after running his stupid mouth? Winston Moss. Winston Moss didn't have a good time. Uh, not that he necessarily deserved one. <laughs> but Joe Witt, you know, it sounds like kind of got a short end of a stick. James Campen, it sounds like got a short end of a stick. I mean, this this organization has a real problem with not alienating people on the way out the door. And I think for a market that depends so much on goodwill, goodwill of fans, goodwill of free agents to be willing to live in Green Bay, Wisconsin compared to other destinations. Like I, I really think that that is, it just goes back to that idea that we've talked about in the past that like you can get away with that stuff when you're winning, but when you're losing, like you, you cannot get away with that stuff and, and it will hurt you. It'll hurt you in the free agent market and it'll hurt you just kind of more generally. Um, you know, I, I think, I think players probably talk as, as much or more and as our, are as implicated in each other's kind of like personal dealings as they've ever been, especially with like Twitter and the internet and everything. So I think that the Packers should do a better job with that because I really do think that it's become, you know, if it was like one or two guys, if it was Greg Jennings, like whatever, roll your eyes, but it's not one or two guys. It's like faces of the franchise for years kind of guys. And like, if you can't do business there without, you know, like, okay, so hypothetical, and maybe I'm taking us on a tangent, but like, you know, Andrew Luck retires, right? And the, and the Colts come out and say, we're going to give him whatever, the $16.2 or whatever the bonus was this year. Like, they're not going to pull a Detroit Lions. 
do I have faith faith that 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 Murphy doesn't do that like to whoever? No, uh, to Rogers, I guess is the logical comparison. It's like, do I have faith that Rogers manages to leave the Packers in a way that doesn't leave Rogers feeling terrible? No, I do not have that faith. Because I haven't seen it for literally yeah. any player. I haven't seen it for Jordy. I haven't seen it like literally anybody. And so I think the Packers are really like doing themselves a big damage by acting like this. And, and that's, a, you know, like obviously all the caveats, like that's apropos of nothing. We always only get one side of the story. But I have a lot of trouble believing that all of these guys, you know, like these are guys that were with the team for decades. Like reporters know how to talk to these guys. Like if they, if they were full of it, we would probably have some indication of that. And we have no indication that any of these guys are being anything but like forthright in how crappy they say the Packers have treated them. I almost feel like free agents must think to themselves like, well, Aaron Rodgers has got one more in him. So, like, maybe I'll go there and I'll, like, kind of ride on that train. But when those days are gone, like, what what do you have then? Like I, On that point, too, I mean, that kind of hints at a deeper thing of, like, is Aaron Rodgers the the duct tape and super glue and paper clips that have held, you know, this once proud franchise together for, like, a longer time than he should have? Uh, and, and I think a lot of the things that we've talked about over the years kind of come back to that question of, like, how much is Aaron Rodgers kind of papering over deep structural cracks in the facade and i don't think it's it's like i'm obviously exaggerating for purpose right like i don't think the packers like disappear without rogers but i do i do think that um rogers keeps these problems more hidden than they would otherwise be and every couple months i get a little closer to worrying that we are not the franchise that we used to be and that we're not that different than, you know, there's, you know, there but for the grace of God goes, you know, I looking at the Buffalo Bills or something, you know, <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not that convinced that we're so far from that. And the superiority complex that we've had for years, which was merited for a long, long time, um, we don't really have that. We, we, we don't really have a claim to that anymore. I don't think. But I'd yeah. be curious to hear what you guys say. I would I would throw two other names in there that I think are really important because they're guys who, uh, if the Packers weren't like winning at the time, would probably have no business ever even like taking a call from Green Bay. And that's Charles Woodson and, and Julius Peppers. And it's like, I understand that you can't just hang on to guys for the sake of doing so. But when, you know, to to either like throw insulting offers on the table when they're set to become free agents or just like have them go somewhere else and be productive players and not necessarily love the way things ended is like a, a big thing. Like those are two guys who like, I feel like most people around the league would just say are like class, right? They're just like super, like they're, they're just class guys. And, and they could write their own ticket too. Yeah. Yeah. Like at know. that point in their careers, like they could have gone wherever they wanted. Right. Yeah. 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 And they, and they came to green Bay. So to have them like have what feels like, to them an unsatisfactory end in green bay like doesn't mean you're, they had you know should have won a super bowl with peppers even though they should have like anything like that that's that's troublesome um so i w- i mean i would agree with everything that you said i thought that was a very well put rant because you know I, I think you have to stop feeling like you're super special when you're not like you're you're a team yep. that's like in rebuild mode right now <laughs> um so why make enemies why why make enemies of guys like mike daniels who clearly talk 
and have friends in the league. You know what I mean? And also are really good. Uh, one thing I want to say is like, I don't, you know, someone can look at my rant and just be like, well, they just signed, you know, Zedarius, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, and I think all of that is valid. Like, I don't think the Packers are at a point where we're like a dysfunctional garbage fire that nobody wants to play for. But are we a dis, are we a franchise that agents will warn their players that they need to be, you know, on their toes about? And are that we a franchise where agents are going to want to see the money up front because they don't necessarily trust how their player is going to be treated, you know, in year two or year three of that deal? Like, that is a distinct possibility. And I remember when totally. people when people were kind of like, oh, we paid more than we thought for Zadarius or whoever. That's what you get. Like, that's what you get when you don't have that kind of goodwill. Yeah. And, and I think that's really important. At the risk of ranting for too long, though, I think we're going to put a bow on it there and move on to the listener mailbag session of the show at the APC pod is where you can find us on Twitter. That's where we got all of these questions. However, if you feel so inclined, the APC podcast at gmail.com for long form stuff. I'm going to start by combining uh, two questions here because they're a little similar talking about running backs. Uh, Ronnie, as well as Ben Saylor wrote in Ronnie asks, um, what will, uh, will Lafleur feature Aaron Jones or go with a timeshare with Jamal Williams, Ben Saylor adding in. What do you guys think about the recent rumor that Gutekunst is looking um, to possibly trade for a running back? Did that uh, potentially evaporate with Josh Jones being cut, or does it seem plausible the front office sees a need for a third back or more pass-catching skills at the running back position? Some of this is, I mean, much of this is hypothetical since we haven't seen the Lafleur head coach offense yet. But uh, Ben, what do you think of that? So I think that the idea of featuring or not featuring a back is kind of antiquated in the NFL at this point. I think that Aaron Jones will get plenty of run. I also think that Jamal Williams will probably get more run than we would have thought at this point last year. And I think Jamal Williams actually looked pretty good at, at various points last year. And I agree. I don't think it'll be quite be like the thunder and lightning of like Deion Lewis and uh, um, the other guy, Derek Henry. There he is. <laughs> like, I don't think it'll be quite that kind of like, okay, this is our big uh, yardage guy and this is our like smaller scat backy guy. Um, but I would say, yeah, I mean, something like a, I don't know, let's see, uh, 50-30-20 split. I mean, it also, it also depends on how much, uh, you know, how much pass pro comes into play i mean i think i think jamal williams still is kind of a top-notch pass pro running back um as to the trade question i don't see any reason to do that um you know we're not in the situation where we don't have two totally capable running backs and i don't see the value in trading for someone i mean there's always enough bodies you know free agent bodies at the end of camp like really with running back you just need somebody you can like learn the playbook and hit the gaps like it doesn't need to be rocket science and 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 not only that but i think dexter williams like sure he had a really shitty preseason game but so did kyler murray and like you're not gonna like cut bait on that if you don't need to i think dexter williams will be fine um that's my take alex i'm gonna go to you next gavin writes in do you think that we need a vet alongside Devonte adams to help out our bunch of not so good wideouts. Obviously, Gavin does not think highly of our wide receiver death. Alex, what do you think of that question? Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I kind of want to, uh, 
I, I, it's something I've agreed with him on for a while. Like I've always been begging for for that that receiver, but at this point in camp, and given the healthy competition amongst uh, all the young guys and the, some of the recent things that have been said by coaching staff and quarterback alike, I just don't see it. Um, I why why is Geronimo Allison not that guy at this point in his career? Like, is he is he not vet enough? I guess he would be if he had played last year. Right. You know, he was hurt. He was hurt almost oh. all of last year. And so I think to a lot of people, he's, he seems like an unproven commodity, whereas I think we all agree that he's pretty damn good. I mean, when, yeah, when he did play last year, I mean, he put up, you know, solid, like I am, you know, an, a threat on this offense kind of numbers. Um, you know, I mean, like, like what do you, I don't know. I guess my thing about that is like, compare him to somebody like Willie Sneed or somebody like I don't I don't see outside of teams that really have two you know big name receivers and have decided to kind of structure their team that way you know is Geronimo Allison like really that big a step down you know, he's what it's like fourth fifth fifth year I guess in the league something like that fourth year yeah, he's been around a while I mean I, I guess the other part of that is that like just a lot of people assume where he fits in is going to be like as kind of a slot receiver but you know it we're also entering, you know, uh, this, the second year leap window for um, some guys that they invested. I know ESP is going to start the season hurt, but like MVS, like could be that guy. Um, he's not he's not a vet, but he's going to see a lot of playing time as a true perimeter wideout, like opposite again of like a one of the best guys in the league that brings a lot of opportunity you know like, and with with one of the best quarterbacks throwing to him without you know a broken kneecap or whatever he had yeah so i mean it's not that i it's not so much that i don't think they have guys that that um can perform i guess it's just that it's it's like it's Devonte. it's weird to be in a scenario it's really what what it was is that we were been so spoiled for so long with like a handful of guys who are proven and really good and we literally have one guy on the roster and i i think Geronimo Allison is good when healthy but like zach mentioned he still has that kind of like yet to really reach his potential tinge to him so we have Devonte adams and then a bunch of and it's everyone else and that includes the tight end position yeah no I, no because and jimmy graham i mean like you can't just say jimmy graham is not kind of like a, a high no, yeah, end yeah. veteran wide receiver okay yeah so Devonte adams and jimmy graham and big big fucking bob big ball never gonna forget that touchdown that's all that's all he ever needed to prove uh, here's a here's a funny uh here's a here's a not a funny it's a good question um that i will pose first to you ben connor writes in i really like this one who will have the better season kevin king josh jackson or tony brown what do you think about that I like. I want to like clarify it. I want to be like relative to expectations and draft capital and blah blah blah. Please take a look at this PowerPoint. If Kevin King stays healthy, Kevin King. If he doesn't, Tony Brown. Whoa. That that's my take. Yeah. I mean, I I, I think Tony Brown's legit. I thought Tony Brown was legit last season. I don't see anything not to like in Tony Brown. I think I. I remember when I was doing like mock drafts last year i guess uh i i would always end up taking him in like the fourth or fifth round and i always think i think pretty highly of him yeah i i think jackson is probably going to take another year kind of like filling in learning learning how to play cornerback and that's fine um kevin king i think 
seems like he could be a very good cornerback if he can be on the field. But I, I, if I had to put money on it, I'd say Tony Brown has the best season. I know that might that might be an unpopular opinion, but what do you think, Alex? I guess I would go. I I agree with Ben. I mean, the injuries are are the thing with Kevin King, but it does feel like. Um, even though we kind of singled him out earlier as someone who could, he could fall into both categories. He could be a really good corner or he could be the next uh, high draft pick that ends up not on the team in like a year or two. Um, so, but I, I would still go with him. I, I guess I'm really a little disappointed and I understand it's super early in his career. Um, but the, the thing that we loved to, that I really loved about Josh Jackson was he was uh, supposed to be like, just even, even though he may not be, uh, as technically gifted and as experienced at the position as some other guys, like just like a turnover creator. Um, so if he is ends up having the best season, like maybe that brings something to the Packer defense that maybe like kind of like elevates them even higher. Cause like what he's really good at is, is creating those turnovers. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, to me, Kevin King's the answer. Um, so long as he's on the field, you know, and actually has time to like settle into the system. But that's a big if. Yep, I agree with that. Steve Bruin, moving on, writes in, is Big Bob really a lumberjack? He just doesn't have the look. He's more train-esque to me. Can we have another vote? Here's what I say, Steve, to your request for another vote. Big f***ing Bob. (laughs) I spent time making that. <laughs> that didn't sound like a train. <gasps> yeah, no, that's definitely not a train. No, um, let's have let's let's pull up a, a real question. <laughs> uh, Club Shed writes in and says, "If you could keep one position of depth on the fifty-three, which would it be?" And then they give some examples. Would you rather keep a third quarterback, a seventh wide receiver? a ninth offensive lineman or a 10th secondary player awfully specific there, but I guess they're saying like of those position groups, where, where do you want that depth this year? Hmm. I have so many questions about the depth of the secondary. Um, yeah. But with that being said, I'm like more excited about the receivers. Like, and and I believe that we've identified guys who can be good. Like there's more potential for those guys to be good. So I guess receivers, because I would hate to see those guys not get the chance to develop. Um, Watching the last few years of Packers football, I have no idea why you would question the secondary depth. No (laughs) idea whatsoever. Uh, Yeah. I mean, yeah. Wow. Revolving door at safety now too, but hopefully Savage isn't, if Savage ends up on that list of like guys they draft and don't turn out to be good, I might, that, that might do us in, man. That, that might end me. <laughs> That'd be a real bummer. <laughs> that would be not good. Receiver is my answer. Let's let's see a whole bunch of these guys, and let's get a whole bunch of them on the field at once and do some cool stuff. Hey, kitty. I mean, like, my... Oh, my kitty? Oh, hi, yeah. kitty. Um, my, <laughs> Sorry, my that personal... is the official podcast cat, so I had I got excited about that. No, it's all good. My personal would be, like... In terms of guys I want to see have a chance to succeed, I think like my answer is wide receiver as well, uh, just because I, I think there's a lot of good players and a lot of depth. And I think also it's kind of like a, a it's like a bottleneck to kind of see who's going to be like a legitimate starting caliber, like third or fourth wide receiver. And I want as many people to get that shot as possible. Yeah. But I think in terms of, uh, you know, where we're going to have like roster churn throughout the season, I would say 
either, you know, I think from a pure value perspective, you got to say offensive line or um, secondary. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'm going to play the poker because that about does it. That's all the questions that we have. And that sounds like the end of a podcast. You guys, the last preseason game is in a couple days. Cutdowns are on Saturday, I believe, after that. And then... And then we're on to Chicago. We're on to real, meaningful NFL football. You guys got any closing thoughts before we get into easily the most unwatchable preseason game, Alex? <laughs> Not really. This was fun. Good seeing you both at the same time again, is all I, yeah. Uh, yeah. All I have to say. Although, Ben, I've been able to see you less and less as we've gone on here. It's getting darker and darker. <laughs> it's like... Uh, it's like uh, Inspector Gadget. What was the bad guy's name, Inspector Gadget? Uh, like they always cut to him, and it's just like this dark room with a cat on his lap, and he's like, uh, "That's literally what we're looking at right now." It's literally what we're looking at. Anyway, that's just a visual for you listeners out there. Subscribe, give us a rating, follow us on Twitter at the APC Pod. Follow us all, us three morons, uh, at Zach Rapport, at Alex Patakis, at Ben Foldy. Keep up with the blog AcmePackingCompany.com. And uh, let's not get anyone hurt, even though mostly the people playing this week are going to be of little consequence to the final 53. Um, And we will talk to you uh, with some with some actual football to talk about. Hopefully I'm really blowing this ending. You guys are just smirking at me on camera because I'm blowing it. All right. That's it. That's an ender. I'm getting out of here. I'm stopping it. Goodbye.